All right, I am with David Meltzer. He has Office Hours and The Playbook. And I always start these off with the same question. What do you do for a living? Uh, when I find out, I'll let you know. No, I <laughs> <laughs> right now, today, I do content and invest. Okay. And that's the primary source of my income is by doing content and investing in companies. Okay, and you chat with thousands of people. Yes. I know we were talking earlier. Could you give me a number on how many people you think you have interviewed total in your life and been interviewed by? Oh, probably close to 10,000 in my life. Oh my gosh, yeah. that is absurd. So <laughs> I, know, I know that you have uh, great advice for people. I, I've seen you do speaker conventions and stuff like that along with your podcast. What advice would you give the average 18 year old out there to be successful? If you could kind of boil it down to maybe one or two talking Simple, points. Simple, man. Ask for help. Find someone who sits in a situation you want to be in and ask them for directions on how to get there. In fact, your whole brand was built off of my advice. Okay. There <laughs> right? we go. You're like the founding father. <laughs> exactly. Basically. I'm that, Abe Lincoln. It's like I didn't even realize it, but, but you, you I'm dishonest Abe. <laughs> I'm dishonest Abe. Are you involved in the crypto and NFT sphere. I wanted to know your opinions on that. I am. And the reason is I started my career in technology out of law school. And so I always look at capabilities of technology, whether it was web 1.0, that's how old I am, mm. web 2.0 or web 3.0. Mm -hmm. And the capabilities of NFT and crypto are incredible. But 99% of the companies that were around in web 1 are gone. 99% mm -hmm. of the companies today will be gone, but they and but web three won't be so look at the capabilities i'm all over it are you in uh are you interested in like the whole like metaverse like vr kind of stuff like what, do you, what are your thoughts on that because some people are not about it some people are like it is the the future what, what do you think about all that absolutely once again the capabilities are incredible especially i'm in the sports and entertainment i ran the most notable sports agency in the world and so the application of the metaverse to sponsorship, endorsement, entertainment, and sports is absolutely off the charts when it comes to the next 10 or 20 years. It's crazy, like the future of like advertising personally to people like that. Like I know like augmented reality is already kind of like in the forefront of stuff. Like you could be walking around and see like a billboard that only you see from your point of view with your glasses on that's targeted to you. I think in advertising, it's, it's a crazy, the, the, the possibilities. I saw something here at SoFi Stadium where you can buy a season ticket, but it moves with the game and you have your own, you put in your own demographics and they sell advertising against each person that's buying their season ticket, knowing their demographic, their interests, et cetera. Crazy. But if, for example, we had this suite yeah. and you look, and they're going to the other end zone for a touchdown. Imagine yeah. we just moved the suite over there and the viewpoint is going to be like we got front row seats over there. Oh, so yeah. you follow the game around and you got your own your own advertisement. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So if you don't realize the capability and the value of that, you're missing out. Yeah. And for those that are just listening, we are at SoFi Stadium. We're up in like a fancy box suite kind of area. Uh, how did you, uh, you said you had a 10 year, can you explain like 10 year lease? Uh, how do you even get that? And like, what do you use this area for? seems like the chill spot of the century, honestly. We're so blessed. So I was friends with the people who managed the, the new stadium mm. and they came to me as an anchor tenant and okay. they said, hey, if you go ahead and sign a 10 year lease, you can go to every football games, concert, but also have 365 access to your offices. So if you look here, we have, you know, variety of choices for podcast studios, but it, yeah. down there, there's a training room, two story training room. Crazy. And so there's so many different aspects. Now, little secret to people about entertainment, you know, there's a content provider, you get a lot of things that you get to do are tax write offs. Oh yeah. So yeah. it's a lot easier to write off a lease 
than it is if I bought a suite. Oh, okay. Because a lease is absolutely irrevocably a tax write-off. Yeah. Buying yeah. a suite gets a little bit shady depending on what you're using the suite for. Yeah, and you can have like client, you can have like clients come here. It's it <laughs> honestly seems like the ultimate like networking spot. Like, oh, come join me for the game and we'll chat business. Oh yeah, or just fun. come to my office and we'll chat business. And yeah. it's so close to the airport that people just want to come in because you have the coolest office in the world. Yeah, that's nuts. It's, it's actually insane that you can do that. So I, I don't know. That's awesome. But uh, I wanted to ask too, like, do you know about, what is your opinion on the sports world and how it's changing? Like in the last 20 years, uh, I know you said you got started like 20 or so years ago doing it, maybe 30 or so. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you can age me, yeah. <laughs> it's 30. Don't mean that in a it's mean 30. way. No, that's 30. cool, man. Okay. Hey, look. I, it is. I love my life and I know I got a lot more to live and yeah. uh, I enjoy each stage of my career. But the, this, look, sports is not going anywhere. It's never gone anywhere. Mm. Uh, it's the great uniter. Yeah. Um, and so it's just how quickly is it going to expand and how are we going to interact with sports? One of the biggest aspects is fantasy and gambling yeah. because it brings now that it's legalized, it brings such a great nuance to competition because now everyone has a vested interest in a competition and you could bet on anything, which I think enhances sports exponentially. Totally. I mean, I'll be watching like ping pong at 3 a.m. in like China and I put like $50 down and I'm like, invested i'm like come on come on yeah that's crazy so because i know like five just until recently the whole world of gambling has changed completely right completely like, worldwide yeah so yeah. so many areas you could never and then just the technology allows you to pull so you can do like silly things like is this going to be a run or a pass because yeah. remember the biggest issue with gambling was the security and latency of the network mm. so when i say latency of the network is if it's too slow some people may already know the outcome and now you could corrupt the gambling the arbitrage because you right thing, yeah so now that we have security and latency in the network you're able to do these cool bets that you never could have even done even if it was legal you never could have utilized technology in the right way to do it that's wild yeah it's changing it's crazy yeah, it's great yeah that's awesome so you're traveling around a lot you're you're, in, you're doing tens of thousands of uh interviews with people <laughs> um are you married and do you have children? And how has that impacted your work life? Like, how do you balance that if that's the case? Yeah, well, you know, I've been married a long time, 25 years. I've known my wife since the fourth grade. Hated me, by the way. Oh. I, asked, I asked her through a friend because I was chicken. Six, oh. <laughs> sixth grade camp. I asked my best friend to ask her to go steady. And, oh. and she told him, no, tell him to ask me himself. What a wingman, though. Yeah, at least he yeah. Tried. I threw an egg at her, hated me. You threw an egg at her? Hit her in the back of the head. And oh. she had like Rosanna Dana really... <laughs> Like I called it pubic hair, and I know this is public. So uh, my wife had pubic hair as hair. Yeah. It's twelve year old. Did, did the egg I, I nailed break it. On her Oh head? yeah, yeah. Her mom wanted to bring it to my house to show my mom what I had done. Yeah. She didn't let her. But anyway, when oh. it, after I made a lot of money in my twenties, my wife uh, gave me a second chance. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> classic. So yeah. I have a wife. I have four children. But my wife saved my life. I, you know, made a lot of money at a young age. Mm. So you could take this as a warning. Okay. Uh, and. You know, basically gave me an ultimatum in my 30s that I better take stock in who I was mm -hmm. and what I wanted to become. Because like you, when I was young, I had good values. You, I could tell. I had conversations with you. You know, you're a good person. You're really doing this to help people, to help them. And my life changed. I got involved too much in the luxury cars and the okay. luxury world. Yes. Don't and spend too much on cars, people. Here's Even the way I the tell you. I lived in a world when I was born, not enough. Single mom, six kids, work two jobs. Mm. Never, we didn't have enough to eat, right? Oh then gosh. I moved to this millionaire world of buying shit I didn't need to impress people I didn't like. Mm. And then my, wo my wife 
when I had three children at the time, woke me up and said, hey, I'm leaving. You're going to end up dead. You're oh. surrounding yourself, doing the wrong things. And if it wasn't for that, I probably would have been dead. And I ended up losing all my money. Uh, and luckily, my wife stuck with me. But I stuck to the values that you have and I have today of gratitude and forgiveness, accountability, inspired living, you know, real good, doing good for good sake. And here I am 17 years later, making more money than I ever have, helping more people and having more fun. That's insane. And I have four kids now. I have a 13 year old son with three daughters. So yeah. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) That's so cool. So how did you make your first million? So I worked in the internet when even Justice Scalia told me that nobody will ever do research on the internet. You need oh, you books. You said that too? Yeah, yeah. You just in 1992. No, my company, we were trying to sell legal research online. Oh, in, it's a in, legal in the 90s? In 92. Oh, in 92? Yeah, we ended what up selling. What was the computer like? Was it like? It was DOS. You may not know what that, monochrome yeah. screen, one color. I was born in 97, so yeah. I'm like, I got a little dial-up We action, sold, We but. sold the company in 1995 for $3.4 billion to oh. Thomson Reuters. So wow. In 95, that was a lot of money. Well, I mean, obviously, it's a lot it's of money a lot today. of money <laughs> in either situation, but even more money. That's crazy. Yeah, so I made my first million in nine months working in the internet, selling legal research online. So you weren't kidding when you said like you're the pioneer of the internet in, in that aspect. When I went to the Supreme Court to show them this research tool, yeah. I had it on a luggage dolly, the computer. Oh. There's no laptops. Like Pursuit of Happiness style. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, literally. It was an XT computer that was like home built. Oh my and God. And it had a, a big, I had a whole monitor with it, right oh. on a luggage cart. It, it, it was all green, the, the screen. People are like, what is that? Yeah, <laughs> it was so good. That, yeah, I'm old. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh, okay. Oh, I did want to ask too, about what are your thoughts on WWE right now? I know it's popping off. It's yeah. now you have the sports kind of uh, fighting background. What are your thoughts on that right now? Well, first of all, I want to make sure everyone knows I'm David Meltzer because yeah. there's a famous Dave Meltzer yes. who's the WWE guy from the very beginning. Not your alter ego? Yeah, you know, no, like he's a good night, guy. He's, old, he's actually even older than I am. Uh, but more importantly, huge fan of it. With sports, and, and I've been blessed with Hulk Hogan. I went to go see Joe Osteen, the famous preacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Hulk Hogan and Randy Hart. In Texas? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Randy Hart, right? Uh-huh. And I asked, I asked, and this is why WWE is going to be so great, is I asked, you know, Hulk, I said, is wrestling real? And he said, wrestling's real, but the outcomes are predetermined. Uh-huh. And I think that's why wrestling is so entertaining, is like... We're not fooling anyone, but Hulk has had like 20 surgeries. I mean, like, they're spinning around. It's oh, like they're really hitting the ground. Yeah. They're really doing that stuff. Yeah. And it's so entertaining. Like and nobody gives a shit if the outcome's already predetermined. I've been around sports a long time. I've seen games that you didn't think the outcome was already predetermined. And I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, probably. Yeah. Just ask Don King. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to go back to and circle back to the more investing aspect. A lot of my followers are interested in real estate stocks. I want to know if you invest in individual stocks or what percentage, like you don't have to get specific with your portfolio or something like that. But like in general, do you invest more in like stocks, real estate, or like where do you kind of pull your assets? Well, I'm a big real estate guy, um, but I also believe that everyone should have their own timing and risk tolerance. Mm. So most people don't take inventory of their own timing and risk tolerance. And then if you know your timing and risk tolerance of your investment, you now can go seek the experts and say, hey, look, I want to spend 10% on super risky stuff, Mm. 10% on moderately risky, 80% on stuff for my old age or Mm. whatever your percentage is, right? And then there's tons of people 
like you do is go out and ask them, hey, what would you do? So for me, I'm older. Mm-hmm. I've made a lot of money again. So I have very secure investment. Investments, I call them secured assets in the fact that you can borrow against them at any time okay. without some of them even applying. So things like real estate, and knowing your background, you know why I invest in real estate. Yes. But I'll give you another reason why that most people don't think about. I have a law degree. When I that's how I got into legal research. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, so, so I cool. passed the bar. Oh, don't you do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I got it when I, you know, right out of school. I went to college, then law school, mm. and that's how I got on the internet selling legal research. But oh, one thing I, I learned about real estate: every law in America, the very the, the Constitution, it was built to protect one person in the U.S the landowner so historically all the laws are to the advantage of the landowner so if you're going to invest in anything you can leverage your money you can do all these things that you can't do with any other asset that's why when you're traveling around asking people hey how'd you get that car 95 or more percentage of own real estate yeah because they're taking advantage of it also i another one is insurance-based assets iuls annuities uh, today, with in- high interest rates, you can get a ladder of T-bills that are more liquid than a T-bill, a treasury bond bill. Yeah, yeah. So I'm investing mostly. Now, I always have a minimum, and I determine every year my, my timing and risk tolerance. I have a minimum of 10% of every penny I make goes to risky Okay, like crypto like, kind of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, or worse. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> I go for lottery You're tickets. Like soybean futures. Basically, lottery like, yeah. tickets, man. Yeah. But I always invest in the entrepreneur. So, like, if you had a company, I would I'd bet on you. Okay. I don't care what the company was. I, I, I really don't. I don't even waste my time with due diligence. I want to find a kid who must be what they can be and won't quit because mm. they'll figure it out with my money. Gotcha. Let them do the lifting. Exactly. You provide the capital. Let the, yeah. I've already paid the dummy tax. Let them go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I, I like that 10%. I, I kind of have some crypto. I have, like, 6 or 7%. Maybe it's a little closer to 10 now. But, yeah, nice. I think... I don't want to, I'm like kind of conservative too with uh, how I invest. I'm mostly like S&P 500 and like, you know, I, but I do want to get some real estate. Yeah. People are worried about I California. would get some gold and silver if I was young. I, 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 I have it and I would make it liquid gold and silver, meaning coins. Okay. Because it, it's just a security for, for me with the world, with the BRICS banks, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Like if you got to go to Canada, for example, or Portugal or to Mexico because our economy goes really yeah. cra- haywire. You know, it's nice to be able to grab a bag of coins yeah. and have an extra $250,000. Olden days, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's true, yeah. What do you think of all the BRICS stuff going on here? Do you think there's actually like a legitimate possibility of the, the dollar losing its reserve currency status like in the next five, 10 years? I don't because, look, they're big enough they change the rules, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we yeah. saw that during COVID, right? All of a sudden, oh, we'll just print some of this or do this. Yeah. I, I don't think so, but I do think uh, that's why gold you know these places around the world if you look at behind the scenes people that are talking about gold not being a good standard are buying up a ton of gold think about it go back and listen young people the people are telling you that gold won't be the standard are buying up a ton of gold okay china saudi they're buying up a ton of gold why would they buy up a ton of gold and tell everyone not to buy gold i wonder yeah yeah I wonder, it's yeah. Straight out. Look, most of the things yeah. you see in the world are straight out street hustles. It's yeah. just the billionaires in the countries just know the street hustle better than anyone. It's like three card money, but a little bit more complex. Yeah, yeah. 
Do you gamble? Do you go to when you go to Vegas? Are you gambling for entertainment purposes? So you know, I have a certain amount. Just the same as if we came here for a game. Yeah. You know, I might have a certain budget for the day. Yeah. And but it like, has what, to, table games. Are you doing like table oh, games? Oh, craps, dude. Craps. Because I want to talk Best as odds. much trash. I want to be able to stand up. Right. Who wants to sit down? Yeah. Right? I want to be yeah. able to scream as loud as I can. Yeah. Right. And literally drink and have fun with everyone around the table. It's a good time. Crafts. Yeah. I've also become kind of addicted to blackjack when I go. Down. It's like dangerous because I go to Vegas all the time. I don't have patience for blackjack because I will double, double, double. Oh, yeah. Right. If I lose, I'm like, oh, I'll just double it again. Oh, the deeper yeah. your pockets, the more screwed you can get. It's like the roulette uh, issue for me. I lose and I don't really play roulette anymore because honestly, it's a, it's a nightmare and the odds are bad with the double greens. But like, <laughs> yeah. but like and then I, I'm probably going to upgrade to poker maybe eventually, but I got to get good. I can't just yeah, walk go in. Go talk to Dan Fleischman. He'll teach you. Okay. Yeah, good dude. Are you friends with um, uh, Dana White? Yeah, Dana White. I'm friends with For Forrest Griffin, who's the head of the uh, Fighter development. We, a lot of those okay. guys are good friends of mine. Michael Chandler and I, he's fighting Conor McGregor. Oh, yeah. So I do entrepreneurial coaching with a lot of those guys. Mike Chandler is probably one of my favorite UFC fighters. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Meatball Molly. Yeah, we're pretty well in grade. Yeah, it seems like you, you're, you're, you know, you're the sports world itself. So, so I know you've written books before. Can you give an, uh, three books? Uh, eight books total, but eight. yes. And they're all, and some of them are best selling, right? Three. I've, I've published all eight. I keep writing a book every six months. So um, right now I published four of the eight books. So Connected to Goodness is a bestseller. The first one that I've written. Okay. Compassionate Capitalism was more for schools. Okay. Um, it gives you a mindset of being a good person. Do good to make money is basically the tagline. Okay. Then Jack Canfield, who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul, sold over half a billion copies. We wrote a book called Creating the Life You Love. Uh, it's a workbook is for young people to create the life you love. Yeah. And then my latest bestseller is Game Time Decision Making, which Tillman Fertitta wrote the forward for. He owns the Rockets, Golden Nugget, Landry's, oh, wow. all those restaurants. Baller. Yeah. yeah. Billionaire baller. Uh, so we wrote Game Time Decision Making. I use sports stories to teach people how to make good decisions with their lives. Oh, very cool. And I just want to know, like, the process on how you make a book. Like, you sit down there. You just get it going. Like, how long does it take? Like, really, like the details on like technically. Yeah, let me how tell you. How do you get you. it? You pitch it. And like, I love to help publisher? you because your book would be great. So for yeah. me, what I do is I write down lessons and stories every day that resonate with me. I don't write down everything I learn. I don't write down nothing thinking I'll remember it. Mm. But every day I have at least two or three lessons that I've learned and stories that teach me those lessons. So when I write a book, I come up with an idea, you know, like for me, I'm thinking about doing a, my next book starting in July. Okay. And you know, you had the, the great resignation. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm going to call it the great realization. Oh. And what, what I think is happening right now is that older people are realizing that technology has allowed young people to be less productive, but create more production. Meaning the old people don't know how easy some things are. Yeah, especially yeah. now with ChatGPT. Chat yeah, I was about to say. I yeah. mean, that was that's it. So I want to write yeah. a book. So what I'm doing is I take these lessons and stories, right? Like ChatGPT and stories yeah. that I learned from that, and I organize them into ten chapters, and then each chapter I teach. So I do free Friday trainings for over 23 years. And so oh, wow. I teach. I also give my books for free, by the way. So if any of your audience emails me, I will sign a copy of my book, send it to them, and pay for shipping and the book. Oh, okay. David at dmelzer.com. Put in your notes. Okay. David at dmelzer.com. Free. Oh, I give oh. thousands of books away. That's awesome. Um, for this reason. But to this point, I go ahead and teach it. Then through AI, I transcribe it. 
Then I God. edit it. Then I send it to a publishing consultant who cleans it into yeah. good English. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the and then, the then I actually read it when it's done. I write the intro. I read it again and write the conclusion. Send it back to the publishing consultant to clean it up. And yeah. I have a book. That's so cool. Yeah. Not I never write one word. Not charging. Like, I never yeah. write one book. I all audio. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. Well, amazing. Well, I, I think that's that's all we got here. Uh, quite the background here. We'll enjoy <laughs> that. Well, David Meltzer, check him out, obviously. The playbook, Office Hours. And uh, the free book, David at yeah. I would do that. I don't know why you wouldn't. So hit him up. Thank, Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Daniel.